Need to get your football fix on all things Army, Navy, and Air Force? This is Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football. Now, here are your hosts, Price Atkinson, Steve Carney, and Mike Lovell. We are officially underway with the 2022 college football season. We saw some good, we saw some bad in the opening weekend. But first, this is Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football, and we're excited to be part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. This season, you can subscribe, download, and listen every single week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast every single week. Just search Yards and Stripes, and you will find us. Hit that subscribe button. Joined tonight, like I will be all season long, by Mike Lovell and Steve Carney. Guys, I, you know, things went about exactly how I expected it last weekend. I thought we'd get a close game in Annapolis that Navy would find a way to win. It didn't happen. It was close, but it went the other way. But overall, I mean, the season is underway. Like, I mean, we're excited. We've got college football finally to talk about, not platitudes, what if, and what could happen. Yeah, we got a chance to actually see guys uh, 11 on 11 and with opposite uh, uh, colors on their helmets, which is always a beautiful thing. Uh, I, I agree with you. I certainly thought that uh, that Navy-Delaware game was going to go the other way. And, and the fact that that uh, midshipman team had so many issues in the first half, and I know we're going to get into that here in, in just a couple of minutes, but uh, I, I don't know about you, but it certainly surprised me, Mike. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, Price, to your point, we got a lot of good things to talk about now the season started, starting with Air Force, uh, yep. a few good things to talk about with Army, and then we got, we have to address uh, some some not so good things, uh, a few a few highlights, not so good things with Army, but 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 uh, we're gonna focus on some uh, not good things with Navy as well. So the season's back, a lot of good things to talk about, but unfortunately we got some some uh, not so good things to talk about as well. Yeah, we're going to recap all three games here in just a second. Um, That's coming up. We're going to give out our game balls for the week, standout performers or performer that we saw in our eyes uh, from each of us. We've got the Travis Manion Foundation honor roll segment where we honor a fallen hero who has given the ultimate sacrifice. Check them out online, travismanion.org. So that will be coming up a little bit later. And also we will preview and get you ready for this weekend's upcoming games we got three games all three teams in action so we will set the table and give you our picks on those before we get out the door here on episode two of yards and stripes but guys let's go ahead and get to the action what we know what we know is in annapolis on saturday the delaware blue hens they came to navy marine corps memorial stadium get a 14 to 7 win to, to improve to 1-0 navy drops to 0-1 this is the first loss for navy to an fcs opponent uh, since 2007, in the first three plays of that game, uh, I mean, it could not have gone any worse. Navy fumbles the first offensive play of the game. They take the kickoff. Uh, they fumble that offensive play. Uh, defensive pass interference on Navy. Uh, and the Delaware touchdown pass all happens in less than 30 seconds. You know, Navy fumbles the ball three times, lo- loses all three fumbles by their B-backs, their fullbacks in the first 19 minutes of the game. I don't care who you play when you – Turn the ball over three times is awfully hard to win, but especially when you're playing triple option football, it just did not look good any way you sliced it on Saturday for the Navy midshipmen and the 14 to seven loss to Delaware guys. Yeah, when a lot of people talk about first game jitters, I, I, what really caught my eye was a lot of Navy's mistakes weren't produced by pressure from the. De- 
the, the Delaware defense. When you have pressure from the defense and you're reacting, that's causing you to make mistakes. That's first game jitters. That's working through a live opponent that you haven't seen. But what really caused me to have concern is a lot of mistakes Navy was making wasn't necessarily because of an aggressive Delaware defense or a hard-hitting Delaware defense. They were making mistakes on their own. A lot of their turnovers were on their own. It wasn't because of anything Delaware was doing. You've had an entire fall camp to get that system down. You've run that system every day mm-hmm. you've been at that school, and you're still making what were really fundamental mistakes for a flex bone offense. To me, that was incredibly concerning for the Navy offense. I know, Price, you and I were talking during the game. The word that really kept coming to mind to me was stale. It yep. just seems like things in Annapolis are stale. You know, mm-hmm. I, it's certainly too early in the season to cause alarm or raise any banners, but you got to think that's the easiest team Navy's going to face. They'll hopefully they'll get better through the season, but that's by far the easiest team Navy's going to face, and they did not look good. And oh, by the way, Delaware is not a good FCS team. It's no, not like not. Navy was playing South Dakota State or North Dakota or you know James Madison before they made the leap to FBS. Delaware is just not a good FCS team. Not to mention FBS team, they came in and 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 took a victory in Annapolis. It, it's very concerning if you're a Navy football fan. This was not the Delaware team, the Casey Keeler teams of, you know, even just 15 years ago. There was a juggernaut in the FCS. I mean, the Blue Hens. A lot of people don't realize they were one of the top teams forever. You know, in one AA FCS football. And you're right, this is not a good team. I mean, Navy outgained them 319 to 202. It's not like Delaware was out there you know, playing all-world offense or defense. They didn't look good either. But Navy just looked that much worse, Steve. And somebody told me that's close to the program, told me Saturday night and shot me a note, said, look, what you saw was a Division One defense out there. That was far from a Division One offense. Yeah, you got that right, Price. And I looked at it, you know, going – even you look through the box score, there wasn't a single – person uh, on the midshipman side that had a hundred yards of offense outside uh, of Ty Lavatai uh, with his 135 yards passing. But I mean, that, that Navy team looked like it was unprepared, which is unbelievable to say about a service Academy team. The, The one thing that you know about service Academy football is those guys are the most prepared players that you will normally find in college football. And they had six months to get ready for this game. And they go out and they do what they did to start the game. Fumble, a stupid defensive penalty that leads to a touchdown. And all of a sudden you're down seven, nothing to a team in, in Delaware. And like you said, this is not the Delaware of years past, Mike. This is not Joe Flacco behind center for the blue hands. This is not that Delaware Blue Hen fighting Blue Hens team, but they fought well and, and they were able to go out and get their first win over an FBS team in forever. And like you mentioned, this is uh, Navy's first loss to an FCS team since, since when they lost to Delaware back in 07. And Steve, to your point about preparation, uh, unlike Army, I, every play Navy ran was was a was a basic play of their offense. They, there were no new offensive wrinkles. No wrinkles. That maybe that maybe an offensive lineman kind of messed up his block because it was different than than the dive or something. Every play they ran was a play they've been running <laughs> ever since Kenny Matsalolo has it been was at the Navy. Most, it was the most vanilla game 
plan you could ever ask for. And and I know it, you know we're talking triple options, so it is going to be rather similar. You know, most of what you what you run in a in a triple option offense or a flex bone offense is going to look the same. But that was as vanilla and just gross as you could get. There was nothing that said, oh, that's different. There was nothing that that could get a Navy fan excited because it just looked boring. Sure, which is fine if you want to protect your playbook against an inferior opponent. But the, the point here is they were making self-inflicted mistakes on their basic plays, their fundamental plays, the plays they run in the spring ball when they're not even when they're not even game planning against an opponent. Those were the plays you can't make mistakes on. You'll see Coach Munkin at Army, he'll throw in new wrinkles. He had a new play in uh, for the Coastal Carolina game. If you're making mistakes on those plays, ones that are put in, installed yeah. during game week, for a specific opponent, that's one thing. But when you're making self-inflicted mistakes on your basic plays, that is concerning. There should be concern in, in, in Annapolis right now. Yeah, I didn't have a problem with without the wrinkles. You know, run your base offense, run the triple option. Do what, You should be able to line up and beat Delaware running the most simplest of plays because they have worked for years. And especially with a returning quarterback, yeah, you got some new guys up front. You got a ton of inexperience. I mean, they just don't have the guy. They haven't had a a really class A fullback B back in now going five or six years. And I know they've had success, but a lot of success has been based around the quarterback, whether it be Malcolm Perry, uh, Keenan Reynolds, but Ty Lavatai. You know, he looked indecisive. He just he did not look comfortable. He didn't look like his reads. He. he he didn't look comfortable in the offense and it didn't he, flow. He looked and like when, a freshman. He looked like a true freshman, but he's not. That's the problem. That's, that's a big, that's a big red flare that should be coming back, being shot up from the forecastle. I mean, he rushed, he only had 34 yards rushing and his longest rush of the game was 14 yards. I mean, that was his longest run from scrimmage. 18 carries 34 yards for 1.9 yards per carry. That is not going to win any football game for the Navy midshipmen. I don't care who you play. That yeah, because you average- the ball start in the it's in the quarterback's hands. And if you have that kind of stat line, they are not going to win. Yeah, they they average less than three yards a carry uh, as a team. So you're you're going to find yourself in bad shape. Yeah, uh, Steve mentioned I think it was or Mike mentioned the pass interference. That was about the only thing Navy defense really did wrong. I mean, they had twelve tackles for a loss, which is the most in a game since 2005 against Rice. Five of those uh, TFLs were sacked. So Navy defense came to play. The offense has got to step up. It simply, honestly, looked more like a continuation of last season. All right, let's flip the script and flip the page. Let's go out to Colorado Springs because there was a lot to be excited about out there, guys. Air Force gets a 48-17 to win over Northern Iowa. Didn't really think this one was going to be close, and it wasn't. It was 27-3 at halftime. Air Force now with the third longest winning streak season opening winning streak in the country now at 16 going back to 2007 they've never lost a season opener uh under head coach troy calhoun and they're all time 26 and 0 against fcs opponents um we had heard that brad roberts and hazik daniels had been practicing i mean a lot of the stuff that was coming out of troy calhoun's mouth you know he, he plays coy with the media all the time saying we don't really know what kind of football team we're going to be until probably october november a lot of people were reading the you know, between the lines that Brad Roberts and Hazik Daniels, who both had knee surgery in January, may not be, you know, 
full go to start the season, boy, they were most certainly full go on Saturday with the kind of numbers they put up as, uh, as Air Force rolls up, what, 691 yards of total offense and 595, or excuse me, 582 yards on the ground, the most rushing yards in a game since 2011 against Tennessee State. And it started right there with their two best players, their playmakers, and their starting quarterback, Hazik Daniels and running back Brad Roberts. Yeah, for the rest of Air Force opponents, if that's not full go for Daniels and Roberts, uh, the rest of Air Force opponents are in trouble for the rest of the year. A key stat uh, I looked at, uh, that that's the one of the three games I didn't get to see the full game. They had 16 guys get carries uh, and get, get yards, 10 or 10 or more yards in the yep. game. They had five guys rush for 75 yards or more. It was a complete effort from Air Force. Uh, you know, we just talked about Navy. The thing you take away from that Air Force game, number one, is they did exactly what they needed to do in the opening game. They ran a solid, basic offense. They did. They executed almost flawlessly on offense. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure they had any mistakes at all. Uh, executed flawlessly on offense. Defense did what they what they needed to do for an opening game against an FCS opponent. That's exactly what you have to do. Go out, take care of business, get back in the locker room, and start game planning for game number two. Air Force did a magnificent job on Saturday. Yeah, they Steve, they first- Steve sixteen guys. They're pulling guys. They're pulling cadets out of the stands at that point. <laughs> sixteen different ball carriers. Sixteen. Yeah, that it was unbelievable to see how many guys got a chance to get a touch, and that's. That's great for, uh, well, it's great for your position coaches. It's great for the for the guys uh, as a as a whole because you get that feeling. Okay, now I'm now I'm in now I'm in this game, uh, and you you have a ton of confidence doing that. The other thing I wanted to point out was it was nice to see the Falcons' defense, and yes, it is Northern Iowa and, and not a Mountain West opponent, but they they were taking the ball, they took the ball away, and I like seeing. Uh, the the secondary be able to take uh, get a chance to get uh, some turnovers and get some takeaways uh, and get into the get themselves involved as well because you know that sec- the secondary is going to be tested once they get into Mountain West Conference play you want to be able to see these guys get those reps and be ready for conference play and they do so uh, against Northern Iowa. Yeah, I, that was a great crowd, too. I don't know how much you guys saw of it, but it was a fantastic crowd out there at Falcon Stadium. I mean, I you could tell that they were fired up for their Falcons. And if, if that was a good crowd, I mean, I've been out there for some really good ones. I was there for when Colorado State and Jim McElwain came in one time late in the season before he left for Florida and a couple Navy games. I've been there for, you know, some opponents that were not so good and, and not so good crowds. If that was a good crowd, and it was fantastic, they were into it. Boy, I can't imagine what it's going to be like this Saturday when Buffalo or uh, the Colorado Buffaloes come to town for the first time since the 70s, because we'll talk about that in a little bit. But, boy, they've got to be licking their chops with uh, the, the CU Buffs coming to town this weekend. But like you said, I mean, it was a total, I mean, total team effort. At, you know, Daniel's over 100 yards, threw for 100, second time in his career. He's rushed and passed for over 100, but, you know, 691 yards, fourth most in school history in terms of total offense in a single game. And, and Brad Roberts does what he does. One of the big things, too, that, you know, we'll talk about quite often with all three of these teams is I think you got to, I always look, go to third down. What what do these teams do on third and fourth down in a football game? Because running the triple option, you're going to have a lot more third downs. And honestly, you're going to have a lot more fourth downs than a lot, a lot of teams in the country. And, you know, seven for 11 on third down conversions, 
that's going to get it done most days. And that's what Air Force was. Uh, I don't, there really not a whole lot else to say, but it, Troy Calhoun has got to be incredibly pleased with the way Air Force came out and just dominated a team they should, uh, 48 to 17. All right, let's pivot now and look at our third and final game. The, the game that I think we all had circled is what was going to be the best game, the most exciting game. And it was a damn good football game, guys, on Saturday night down in Conway. Coastal Carolina and Army doing battle in a season or a, 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 a record crowd, over 21,000 there at Coastal uh, to see the Chanticleers and the Black Knights do battle. And it's Coastal getting a 38 to 28 win. Um, in front of 21,165 and you know Grayson McCall who was the darling in a lot of ways at college football last year leading uh, Coastal Carolina you know he led the way with three touchdowns uh, through the air and ran for one with 301 left I mean you see a 10-point score this was pretty much almost a back and forth game until late in the third quarter. Yeah, I, th I think there was a lot of I think there's a lot of good things to come out of this for Army. I, th I think there were mm -hmm. some some questionable things too. I, I thought particularly on the offensive side, I, I thought they were able to get into rhythm a little bit, and then it seemed like every now and then Brent Davis kind of got out of rhythm in his play calling, wanted to go to something, wanted to go to a pass or maybe uh, one of the new wrinkles. They added a new uh, B-back slice, uh, you know, a generic term for that inside trap on the B-back for the slice. Had a touchdown on it, went back to it two more times in the game. CCU uh, coordinators made the adjustment weren't able to get anything uh, off that play later in the game to include a key third down stop on the defensive side uh and, and this is more common about coastal carolina than it is army they just out scheme the army defense they let andre carter rush and they they optioned off his uh they optioned off his choices as soon as he got deep in the backfield they'd hand it off and, and would run up the middle and they ended up gashing army's defense and they just let andre carter do his thing basically came unblocked for most of the night and if he came upfield they ran it up the middle and if he didn't if he if he collapsed down they went to the outside very good play calling by uh, coastal carolina very good uh, game plan by coastal carolina they were able to the reason i picked army beforehand is coastal lost a lot of talent off that team last year yeah they only returned eight starters total on the offense and the defense. Other than Grayson McCall, they lost all their skill players. They were able to effectively replace all of their skill players. Coastal Carolina looked really good. Army did not play poorly. No. Coastal mm -hmm. Carolina was well-prepared, well-coached, and they executed very well. I think Army has some things to clean up, but I think that loss was a little bit more about Coastal Carolina doing <clears throat> really well than Army underperforming. Yeah, they certainly, certainly did, and, and you talked about the game plan very similar to what you would have seen back in, and I'm going to, I'm going to go to a different sport with this in the NBA back in the sixties, when you would see those Boston Celtics teams taking on the Philadelphia Warriors with Wilt Chamberlain in, in with Chamberlain in his prime, what they would do is they would force uh, them to make someone else step up and be the hero. You, you would, you would take, uh, Chamberlain out of the equation and, and make it basically five on four uh, and make someone else make the play. And that's what Coastal did with Andre Carter. They let him in. And then like you, like you mentioned, you option off of wherever he's wherever he's rushing. If he's rushing outside, you run inside uh, or you go up the middle uh, with your play. And if he comes, uh, tries to come up the middle, you end up uh, bouncing it outside. You work your way around him. And that's exactly what you wanted 
from Coastal Carolina, and uh, they did it. I thought they did a fantastic job with it. And the numbers and the numbers speak to exactly what Mike's saying. Army did not sack Grayson McCall one time in the football game, and Andre Carter, you know, preseason All American, he only had three tackles. He had a half tackle for a loss. A guy that led the country last year, and only had three tackles in the football game. I think, I think Mike's dead right on that. Um, you know, the way that, especially too, when they I mean, they had balance, you know, obviously you know they're going to throw the football, but the way they were able to run the football, Reese White for 133 yards, I mean, they had they had balance, which you want to have, but I thought they had Army's defense a little bit off balance at times, um, you know, but the speed, you know, there are other things that stood out to me. You know, Coastal Carolina, you know, they just got some athletes, guys. I mean, they just got some guys that, you know, with all due respect, just may not have the kind of grades to, to go play at, say, uh, a South Carolina or uh, up at NC State or somewhere like that. They're just, you know, a little bit smaller, maybe academically a little bit more questionable, a lot more transfers, but that's a pretty good Coastal Carolina team that's going to be around, I think, and going to win a lot of football games again this season. They only right, had 17 pass attempts, and most of those were underneath. Uh, they only maybe had a handful of deep pass attempts. So even in their passing game, uh, they kept Army off by making it quick and short and then relying on the uh, run after the catch. All right, that's it for our three games last weekend. We're going to pivot and look ahead. But before we do that with our Travis Manion Foundation Honor Roll segment, and the games we have coming up this weekend, we got to give out our game balls from this past weekend. And we're going to do that when we come back right here on Yards and Stripes. Episode two, your home for Service Academy football. It's everything you need to know about Service Academy football. Yards and Stripes continues. Here once again are Price, Steve, and Mike. All right, time to give out our game balls this week. But before we do, let me tell you about our friends at BetUS.com. With the college football season now underway, you need a sports book with integrity and longevity you can rely on, like BetUS. Did you know that BetUS has been pioneers in the sportsbook industry for over 25 years, thriving and paying their loyal customer base quickly and securely? Well, we want you to go get on BetUS.com and take advantage of an offer we have on with our shows from the College Football College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. You'll receive 125% to sign up, but a sign up bonus by using our code Coast22. That's Coast22. Put in 100 bucks and get an additional 125 to play with. 200 bucks initially deposited gets you 250 and so on. Guys, that's a deal you can't pass up. And BetUS also has the NFL, Major League Baseball postseason, and soon the NBA, as well as almost any sport you can think of or wager on. But we're on college football, and we know you want to be with us all season long on BetUS. Check them out at betus.com. And remember, our 125% match bonus. For initial signups with our code COAST22. Bet US. You bet you win, you get paid. Now it's time to get your game balls, and we're going to give out these game balls from last weekend. Uh, Steve, you want to fire first? Yeah, absolutely. I, and I'm going to go right to Air Force and to a guy that certainly had a nose for the football, and that is Michael Mack, the second, the cornerback for the Air Force Falcons, a pair of fumble recoveries in the win over Northern Iowa, helping the uh, Falcons have uh, some shorter fields and making sure that they're able to uh, stop some Northern Iowa drives. So yeah, I'm going to give my game ball 
to number nine, Michael Mack II out of Air Force. All right, Mike. Mike, love all. Fire away. My game ball goes to the Air Force medical staff. You talked earlier, Price, about both Brad Roberts and Hazik Daniels having surgery, knee surgery in the offseason. Brad Roberts, eight rushes for well over 120 yards. Hazik Daniels, a good day passing through the air and almost 100 yards himself. Whatever they did to those knees, they sure did it right. And if they're not at 100%, I hate to see what they're going to be like by the time they get to the rest of their schedule. So my game ball goes to the Air Force medical staff for taking care of those guys and getting them back to 100% or at least close to 100% very quickly. Price, over to you. I'm going to make it a perfect three-for-three sweet, gents, in Air Force. And I'm going to go with the Air Force offensive line. 582 yards rushing. Uh, the six most in single game school history. They blocked for 691 yards of total offense, the fourth most in school history. Obviously, you mentioned Brad Roberts, 114 on the ground, Ahazi Daniels, 107. Then you had a couple other guys, three more that had 77 or more, 16 guys carrying the ball 62 times, 582 yards. Just missed carrying 10, uh, 10 yards a carry average, 9.4. The Air Force offensive line gets my game ball. Hey, so breaking, we make new, it a- breaking news, Air Force just rushed for another first down. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly feels like in a football game where they had a lot of first downs. So uh, add one more to make it a, a perfect quarter, 25. So, all right, we're going to get out of here in this segment. Don't forget, we got our Travis Mannion Foundation honor roll coming up where we honor a fallen hero who has given the ultimate sacrifice. And then we've got our upcoming games and our picks for this coming weekend. Joined by Steve Carney and Mike Lovell, I'm Price Atkinson, continuing on on Episode 2 of Yards and Stripes, your home for Service Academy football. We'll be right back. In 2007, Marine First Lieutenant Travis Mannion was killed in Iraq after saving his wounded teammates. Travis's legacy lives on through the words he spoke before his final deployment, If not me, then who? Words that today fuel the spirit of Travis Mannion Foundation. And through TMF, these words can live in you too. Show the world what you're made of, because character is invisible until it's not. Find out how you can strengthen the character of your community alongside empowered veterans, families of the fallen, and inspired civilians at travismanion.org. If you hear that music, you know it's time for our Travis Manion Foundation Honor Roll segment, where we honor or remember a fallen hero who has given the ultimate sacrifice. And if this is your first time listening to the podcast, you know that at the end of every episode, we we have our TMF Honor Roll, uh, where we just want to take that time, a step back to remember uh, our heroes who have given that sacrifice for us and for our freedoms. And we want to remember those sacrifices. And this week, here on the Travis Manning Foundation Honor Roll segment, we want to honor and remember Army Sergeant Kendall K. Frederick. He was 21 years old from Randallstown, Maryland, when he died October the 19th, 2005, while serving during Operation Iraqi Freedom. And he was a member of the Army Reserve's 983rd Engineer Battalion based out of Ohio. And he was killed on that October day in 2005 when an IED uh, exploded near uh, the convoy in which he was traveling into Crit, Iraq. Kendall was born on the island of Trinidad, came to the United States, and later joined an ROTC program at his high school, where he decided to enlist in the Army during his last year of high school. Uh, and after being deployed to Iraq, 
uh, he said he wanted to become a citizen for the very country that he was willing to give his life for. And while he was fighting in Iraq, his mom was in the U.S. fighting for his citizenship application to be processed. And to make a long story short, Kendall Frederick was killed on his way to being fingerprinted for his U.S. citizenship application. His family continued pursuing the U.S. government for a change in the policy. And then finally, in June of 2008, the Kendall Frederick Citizenship Assistant Act was signed into law by President Bush. And this law enabled all immigrants serving in the armed forces a fast track to citizenship. And most importantly, fingerprints used on their enlistment application will also be used for their citizenship application. So Kendall was described as a very caring and loving individual who always had a smile on his face and was the life of the party. It's also described as a practical joker who would always find his way to make you laugh when you were down. And his top character strength described by the Travis Manion Foundation uh, is perseverance. So, you know, again, we take the time to step back and and remember those heroes who have come uh, and given that ultimate sacrifice, like Kendall Frederick, who was from Trinidad, but immigrated to the U.S. with his family, then went to high school uh, in the Maryland area before giving that uh, ultimate sacrifice in October of 2005 as a member of the U.S. Army. And in the words of Travis Manion himself, uh, he spoke before deploying for the final time, if not me, then who? And the Travis Manion Foundation is just empowering veterans across the country, families, to make a difference in their local communities. Right now, their 9-11 Heroes Run uh, is going on. You can sign up online, travismanion.org. Find a Heroes Run. You can run, ruck, walk, whatever you would like to do. But you could sign up at travismanion.org to find one of those 9-11 Heroes Runs going on all through this month uh, in a community near you. And they're also empowering veterans who served after 9-11 to serve again. Uh, You can donate online to provide opportunities for men and women who stepped up after 9-11 in 2001 to answer the call to serve once again with TMF. Again, you can donate Find out more information and learn how you can support the men and women uh, and their families at travismanion.org. All right, we'll be right back. We're going to preview this weekend's games. we got more to do here on this episode of Yards and Stripes, your home for Service Academy football. Travis Mannion Foundation's 9-11 Heroes Run 5K Race Series unites communities across the country and around the world to honor the sacrifices of September 11th and the war since. Join your community this September and register to run, walk, or rock by visiting 911heroesrun.org. The latest with Navy, Army, and Air Force on Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football. All right, wrapping up episode two of Yards and Stripes. I'm Bryce Atkinson, joined as always by Steve Carney and Mike Lovell here. And don't forget, you can download, listen, subscribe every single episode of Yards and Stripes as we are part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. Just go to wherever you listen to your podcasts every single week Apple Podcasts, Spotify, search Yards and Stripes, download, listen, subscribe as we come to you every single Tuesday. We're your home for Army, Navy, and Air Force. But first, I want to get a little bit smarter. Mike, tell me how we can all get a little bit smarter here. College football fans, we know that with the season cranked back up, you're looking for the best seats at the most competitive prices. And we want to make sure you take advantage of Ticket Smarter and their mobile app. We know that buying college football tickets online requires trust. And Ticket Smarter has partnered with more than 100 universities and 24 conferences as their official ticket resale marketplace. They've also partnered with ESPN Events as an official ticket resale partner as well. 
And with the best selection of NCAA football tickets, Ticket Smarter makes sure fans from all over the country experience the power and excitement that is College Football Live. Purchase your tickets quickly, securely, and at the best prices on the secondary market with Ticket Smarter mobile app or at TicketSmarter.com. And we've got an additional offer for those listening to our podcast on College Gridiron Coast to Coast. Take 5% off your purchase of $100 or more with our promo code GRIDIRON22. That's GRIDIRON22 for 5% off your order of $100 or more. And that code isn't just for one-time use. No, use our code as many times as you want this season for the best selection of college football seats to the biggest games. Check out the selections and the pricing now with Ticket Smarter and remember our code GRIDIRON22. Think smarter, ticket smarter. Well, I, I know where I'm getting my tickets this weekend, Steve. I'm not going any further than Ticket Smarter to get my tickets for maybe that big Furman Clemson matchup down the road from where I'm at. We're watching uh, or have on right now, Georgia Tech and Clemson right now. Make sure you visit our friends at Ticket Smarter online to take advantage of that deal. Yeah, but I'll be right, using guys. mine for USF and Howard here in Tampa. <laughs> Boy, there's some barn burners. Uh, you know, before we get to our games, you know, obviously college football opening weekend, kickoff weekend is they've made it really good, you know, with a lot of I'm, I'm against the neutral site games. I hate those things. I think they're a waste. I think the way schools spend money on Taj Mahal's and home home collegiate stadiums, play them there. Don't go. And I know it's all about money. Um, but week two has got to be the worst of almost the worst matchups in college football week two. And then you look at uh, what is it usually the weekend right before Thanksgiving? Cause it's fluff weekend, the tune-ups before the uh, rivalries, boy, you sometimes have a hard time finding good games this coming weekend. And I'm talking just about, across the, the college football landscape, guys. Nothing relating to our teams here. I uh, thought there was a couple of good games. I'm a Tennessee guy as well. So Tennessee, Pittsburgh, and the Johnny Majors Classic. Pittsburgh looked good. Tennessee had a good weekend. And, uh, of course, Alabama at Texas. That's going to be a, uh, a measuring stick game for Sarkeesian and the Longhorns down there in Austin. Yeah, and, and it's, a, it's a preview of when, uh, when Texas moves into the SEC here uh, in a couple of years as well. Yeah, I'd imagine that's going to be a – that game's in uh, Austin, right, Mike? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Uh, actually uh, announced today that Alabama's band's not going to travel. Texas put TCU's band – or whoever they played last week. It wasn't TCU. They played Colorado. Texas put uh, – they were going to put the band up in the second deck. So Alabama said no thanks. Uh, so a little bit a little bit of bulletin board material for Nick Saban. That's the last guy you want to give bulletin board material to. I would I was going to expect probably Alabama to go down there and win by 40. I think probably now what do you think, 50-plus? I think they're. I think they opened at eighteen and a half. Uh, That's so it. Fifties. I, th- I think. Uh, I'd have to look it up. I think eighteen and a half is what I saw last night. But wow. yeah, I, I. I would. I would bet that it's closer to forty than eighteen and a half. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> All right, let's look ahead to what we got coming this weekend, and we got some pretty good games here, guys. Uh, I think maybe the best one of the day will be the first one we're going to talk about. Um, tell me that I'm wrong. University of Texas San Antonio, zero and one going up to Mikey to take on the Army Black Knights at 12 noon kickoff on the CBS Sports Network. One thing's guaranteed, it's one of these two teams is going to get their first win of the season. Uh, UTSA giving two points the last line I saw. Um, I think that's based largely, probably, 
on UTSA taking Houston to the brink. Now number 24 Houston last week, and I think got a field goal at the very end of regulation. Um, a field goal right down the middle, down Main Street, forces that one to overtime before uh, Houston scored that 37 to 35, uh, a thriller uh, over the Roadrunners. So the Roadrunners, though, they're going to Mikey, a place that has been very kind that the Black Knights have protected that home turf the last couple seasons. I think it's going to be a fantastic game, guys, on Saturday. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, for Army, you're going to have you know, things don't get any better after facing Grayson McCall in Coastal Carolina this Saturday. They got to face Frank Harris in UTSA uh, this Saturday at Mikey. Uh, uh, Frank Harris combined for 400 total yards in that game against Houston last Saturday. And to be quite honest with you, I got to watch this game too, Price. UTSA for the first three quarters looked like the better team. Now, what UTSA doesn't have that Coastal Carolina has is the weapons, uh, the quality of weapons around Frank Harris. The Army's defense, job number one, is going to have to contain Frank Harris. Not only did he have 337 yards in the, in, in the air, he also had 63 yards rushing, uh, an average of eight eight per rush because he only rushed eight times. So he's not a guy that's going to rush uh, a, a lot of called design quarterback rushes. But mm -hmm. once he gets out of that contain, he can hurt you, particularly on third down. So Nate Woody and the Army defense, they're really going to have to work on containing Frank Harris. If they can do that, they will have success. Uh, UTSA's defense, I don't think they're going to be as good as Coastal Carolina's defense. I think the Sun Belt is better all around in the Conference USA. I think Coastal Carolina is probably one team better in the Sun Belt than UTSA is in Conference USA, although UTSA mm -hmm. is a good team. This is not going to be an easy game for Army. Here's the other thing. For, for young and growing programs like UTSA, when they come to Mikey Stadium and they see something that is wholly unique and substantially different than everything else in college football – the scenery, the, the pageantry, the parades, that kind of stuff, that tends to, uh, that tends to, uh, that tends to make teams not play at their highest caliber. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the noon kick, traveling to the Northeast, mm -hmm. the different weather. I don't know what it is. But when when teams come to Mikey and play those uh, noon games on Saturday, particularly for a growing program that doesn't have mm -hmm. a lot of big time travel experience at UTSA, it kind of yep. throws them off their game. So I yep. like army in this one, a close game, although it's going to, it's, they're going to have to bring their a game and they're really going to have to contain Frank Harris. That's going to be the key to this game is containing the UTSA quarterback. Could Steve. you, could you imagine what UTSA would look like if they had both Frank Harris and sincere McCormick, who's now with the <laughs> Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, and so I, I would only, I could only imagine what would have happened to poor Houston. If, if they had both of those weapons instead of McCormick leaving early for the NFL. Um, I, I think Mike is right. Uh, I think that there is something about going to Mikey stadium and playing along the banks of the Hudson river that just gets into gets into guys minds it is a mental thing that that you go through and and whether it's you know watching the cadets march in to the stadium for the game or, or whatever whatever it is because you've got to get there early in the morning uh in order to play those those noon kickoffs uh, i do think that it's going to get into the head of the roadrunners players plus you're having to travel uh to the east coast so you're you're actually for them it's going to feel like it's they're playing at 11 a.m., which uh, I think is is an even bigger issue. Uh, I, I really do think that this is going to be something that the, the Roadrunners are going to have to learn how to compete with. And I think that Army is going to catch them 
uh, this week out. So yeah, I'm, I'm with Mike. I'm going to take army over UTSA. Yeah. I like army as well. I think, um, I think the way, I think so much for me is more about army playing at home, the way they protected Mikey stadium the last several years, they've just played so well at home. Uh, you know, having, uh, the core cadets out there, um, that kind of crowd, uh, Jeff Munkin's energy, um, you know, yeah, they've had some close calls along the way, but boy, playing at home, that never hurts you in most cases, but army has played very, very well at home uh, the last several seasons as Jeff Munkin has got this thing obviously rolling, um, you know, up at West Point. So I, I definitely like Army to win this game. I think it could be a shootout. Um, I think this could be a one that goes uh, fairly high, but I'm also with Mike too. I think the point about, um, you know, comparing the, you know, the, the fun belt to the American, I just think that this is one that Army is going to get done, uh, even with UTSA being a two-point um, two favorite. All right, um, Navy hosting the Memphis Tigers, a big Memphis, a team that honestly has given Navy fits the last couple of years. Uh, Memphis is giving six and a half points right now. It's going to be a 3.30 p.m. kickoff on CBS Sports Net or CBS Sports Network back-to-back -back right after the Army game concludes. You've got Navy and Memphis from Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium. Uh, again, Navy has just not not played very well against Memphis at times over the years um, that I know the Tigers are coming off a, a big loss at Mississippi state. It was a big energized crowd in Starkville uh, the other night. Uh, but, you know, Memphis has got some big old dudes on that defensive line. Um, I got to think that Navy's woes are going to continue. Uh, I just don't see it um, in just a, you know, a, a one week turnaround I think Niamatolo, Coach Niamatololo should get a lot of credit and a lot of things he's done. I don't think it's time to write them off just quite yet, but I just don't see them being able to correct some of the things, and I don't think some of the things are correctable. I just think there are some big holes on this Navy, on this Navy football team. And I think one of the other things, too, is, you know, it, it's hard to, to judge a complete team on just the sample size of one game. Uh, but I do think there are some holes on this Navy team. I think Memphis is going to come in there and get the win, and Navy's going to remain oh, uh, winless at 0-2. Yeah, I, th I think you're right about that, Price. And I think that the big problem that Navy's going to have against Memphis is that Memphis's bugaboo is against the pass. You, know, you look at what they gave up against Mississippi State. I think it was like 497 yards. Pass. They had a lot of passing yards, mm -hmm. uh, 450 yards uh, of passing La, uh, last week against Mississippi State. So their pro the, the problem that Memphis has is that they are lacking and deficient in the secondary and maybe mm -hmm. doesn't throw the football. So uh, I think that that's going to play into Memphis's hands. And, and so I'm, I'm actually very surprised that this game is only six and a half points. Uh, I would have thought that this would have been well over a touchdown. I, I don't think it gets quite to 10, but I would have thought this would have been nine and a half. If you had asked me uh, if this was six and a half or nine and a half, I would have, mm -hmm. I would have put all my money on the fact that this would have been nine and a half and to see it at six and a half is kind of surprising. So, yeah, I think that this unfortunately means another loss for Navy. Uh, I think that it's pro uh, if they're, if they struggled the way that they did against Delaware against Memphis, if they have those sort of mental mistakes that, mm -hmm. that have taken place, uh, against Memphis, like they did against uh, Delaware, this is not going to be a competitive matchup, and that's scare that that worries me. As a Navy guy, that kind of worries me. So, 
Mike? I, I agree with you guys. I, I think Navy's going to have a hard time. I think it's probably going to be a little bit closer than we think I, I, for a couple of reasons. I, I don't think uh, Memphis travels well. I also think uh, – I, I think it's a good matchup for Memphis in a couple areas, particularly with their offense and Navy's defense. I, unlike you guys, I, I, I wasn't too impressed with Navy's defense on – Saturday, I, I know mm-hmm. they held Delaware to 14 points, but I, I just I I thought Delaware looked faster. I think <clears throat> Delaware made a lot of mistakes too. Memphis is going to be Memphis is going to be clearly faster uh, on offense than Navy is on defense, so we'll see there. But I don't think Memphis. I, I watched a little bit of that Memphis Mississippi State game. They did not look super disciplined on either side of the ball. And when you play a service academy team, your discipline on both sides of the ball is is really uh, is really an area that you have to focus on. Memphis, uh, one, I don't think historically travels well, uh, at least under this current administration or this current uh, coaching regime. And then two, they they looked kind of sloppy against Mississippi State. I wasn't too impressed with their discipline on either offense or defense. I think that will keep Navy in there. I think Memphis has enough sheer talent to win it in the end. But I think coming off a loss to an FCS team, this game will be closer than we might think. I still think Memphis finds a way to pull it out. Uh, in Annapolis. All right, last game of the day, Colorado at Air Force. The Buffs 0-1 coming into Falcon Stadium to take on 1-0. Air Force, 3.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time kickoff on CBS, the big CBS, not CBS Sports Network, uh, but the big CBS. Air Force favored by 17 points. Um, the first time that CU's coming to the Springs since 1974. Um, that last meeting uh, in the Springs, a CU victory, 28-27. The last time, actually, Air Force has won a game in this series was 1953 when they won 17-14. to uh, But CU does lead the overall series 12-5. Uh, to now, but they played in 2019. Uh, Colorado got the win then. That's the, that's the only time they have played since 1974 was 2019. So this is a this is a BFD uh, that this game is even being played again. I mean, it should to me, in my opinion, it should be a game that should be played almost every year. You know, a couple of in-state teams like uh, CU and Air Force, not too far apart in Boulder and Colorado Springs, probably about what hour or two hours, no more than two hours and 15 minutes apart. Mm-hmm. But um you know, last week, Air or Colorado, they lose at home to TCU. I thought a TCU team that looked a lot faster. Um, they hung in there until the fourth quarter when I think they were outscored 21 to seven in that fourth quarter. Never been a big, big fan of uh, Carl Durrell coach teams. You know, had a brief tenure there at UCLA. Was not, uh, I believe, it was 2003, 2007. Um, not, not one of the better tenures in Bruin football history. We'll see what uh, this Carl, Carl Durrell tenure is like in Buffalo or with the Buffaloes at CU. Um, but uh, Troy Calhoun and Carl Durrell coached together with the Denver Broncos back in 2003, right before uh, Durrell got that UCLA job. So these guys have no, known each other a while. Um, I don't think there's any way the Air Force is going to lose this game at home. I just think they're flat out better, better coached. And just a better football team, offensive, defensively. Um, you know, Colorado losing at home to TCU again. I we got to see a little bit more from CU this year, but I don't think there's any way that Air Force loses. Do they cover the 17? I think it could be close, but there's no question. I think Air Force wins this thing uh, right out. Yeah, it'll be nice to see uh, Air Force pulling out a win at home uh, over Colorado, as you mentioned, 1974 since the last time these two teams played in Colorado Springs. Um, 
I looked, I went back and, and just taking a look, I didn't watch Colorado and TCU last week. Um, but, you know, the way that the Buffaloes play, you know, this is not the, the Colorado from, you know, the Salonessi years in the, in the 90s when, when Bill McCartney was, uh, was, running the, was running the program and they were, uh, you know, up at the top of, of college football, you know, the Rashawn Salam years. But I, I really, I really think that 17 is a lot for a uh, for a non-power five team to be giving a power five team. And yes, Colorado is a power five school. Uh, you know, even though, yeah, much like how Rutgers is a power five school, but uh, and, and Rutgers has gotten better over the years. But I, I, I do think that this is going to be a win for the Falcons, and I just don't see how the Buffs. We'll be able to handle the rushing attack. We, you know, it's coming. You know, it's yeah. kind of, it's kind of like, um, you, you know, you, you can't, you, you can prepare for it all you want, but once you, once you experience it firsthand, it's a, total, mm-hmm. uh, it's a total different thing. And I really think that you know, Air Force is just going to be able to run the, that ball down the Buffalo's throat, and that's how they're going to end up winning this game. That's why mm-hmm. I don't think it covers seventeen. I think it's four. I think fourteen is the right number. But uh, but I think 17 might be a little higher. It's it's a te- it's a testament that we all agree that Air Force is just a better team than Colorado, yeah. and I, I think that's true. Colorado also has a little bit of a qu- quarterback controversy going on in the locker room. They yep. started uh, Brandon Lewis, Carl Durrell started Brandon Lewis. A couple of Colorado drives in that game against TCU made some ground and then stalled inside the red zone. Uh, they went to JT Shrout to transfer a quarterback out of Tennessee in the second quarter. They came back in the second half, put Brandon Lewis back in. Uh, really couldn't do anything on offense, put JT Shroud in of the fourth quarter. Uh, Shroud had some positive momentum, uh, did some good things, had uh, several, I think, I think had over had 200 yards passing for the game and, and engineered uh, Colorado's touchdown drive. So Calderell has a quarterback controversy. Uh, it was clear JT Shroud played better. Doral hasn't committed to starting either one against Air Force. So we don't know who's going to be playing quarterback. Uh, it, I, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I am squarely in the camp of if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. Yeah. And yes. if you are going to play them for the love of all things holy in football, don't rotate them throughout the game. Your offensive linemen get used to the cadence. Your receivers get used to the way the ball spins out of the quarterback's hands. The running backs get used to how it's handed off. For the love of everything, I don't know why a coach rotates quarterbacks throughout the game. I just – I I guess they're far smarter than I am. But So Colorado's facing that issue, you know, that's – when you go and place a service academy and you play that 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 ground pounding, uh, constant running attack, the last thing you need is is uh, is is uh, consternation in the locker room because it's already mentally tough enough to play a service academy. You add on to that the locker room consternation of a quarterback controversy. So I just I don't think Colorado is going to be in a good spot mentally when they come into Colorado Springs. I like Air Force in this. Like Steve said, I don't know if they're 17 points better than a Pac-12 team because there's still a lot of talent on that team. But I think clearly they're the better team, and I think they I think they come away with a win somewhere between 10 and 14. The headline in the Denver Post from a Sean, column to Sean Keeler's column after the game, quote, you're trying to get fired, Carl Durrell, because this is how you get fired, end quote. <laughs> and, you know, it, his column, Sean Keeler's column, just goes on to talk about, uh, you know, couple quotes from a couple of the Buffs players that when things got down, 
you know, in the third quarter that heads were hanging and, you know, the mood just got, you know, just the body language and the fight, you know, was kind of gone. And that's when you, if you, if as a head coach, you don't have your team and, you know, in year what three, um, you know, your players are laying down like that. And it's the first game of the season that does not bode well for you moving forward. And, that, and that's, even moving and, forward is week two. And that's not what you want to see going into a, a game against the service Academy. The, yeah. You know, the team that just constantly pounds you every play. So, so that's just going to compound the lack of morale there with the Buffaloes. Absolutely. And the, in the words of the esteemed philosopher, Scooby-Doo, rut row. <laughs> Well, that's going to be must-see TV, though. Colorado going into Falcon Stadium, something that nobody has seen since 1974. It will be fun. It will be electric. It'll be a fantastic environment for the Falcons on Saturday. All right, guys, let's get out of here. Enjoy doing episode two with you guys again, Steve Carney, Mike Lowell. Just appreciate it. Love all. Appreciate you guys both, um, you know, being part of this this year. It was fun last week, and I hope we have some more good games this weekend, um, you know, which one is going to be the best one? Go real quick. What is going to be the best game of the weekend? I, I think Air Force Colorado. Air Force Colorado is going to be the closest. Steve? I'm going to go Army UTSA. I'm really excited to see what the what the Black Knights can do against the Roadrunners. Oh, Price, I thought you said the best game. I think, UT, I think Army UTSA is the closest game. I think Air yeah. Force Colorado is the best game. Yeah. I'm with you. All right, guys. Uh, episode two in the books. Don't forget, folks, our listeners, it's all about you. Appreciate you investing with us with your time uh, by downloading, listening, subscribing to Yards and Stripes. Again, we are part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. Wherever you get your podcasts, just subscribe there. We will come to you every single Tuesday with a new episode during this college football season. But for Steve and Mike, I'm Bryce Atkinson. We will do it again next week. Until then, we'll see you then. Join us again next time for Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football. To get more on all things Service Academy Football, like Yards and Stripes on Facebook and follow them on Twitter at Yards and Stripes. And make sure that you're subscribing to the College Gridiron Coast to Coast podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and wherever you get your podcasts.